Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and still not better than ever. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance, surrounded by the hashtag crew on this Thursday as the rest of the National Football League turns the page to week two. We will have a KOD pick on tonight's game. We're going to continue working our way through the five stages and a whole lot more. It's Thursday. Let's do it. Here we go. Only one place to start. I thought last night, is this the last time we see Aaron Rodgers out on a football field? He went all in for this. For it all just to disappear before he even getting to reap the benefit from that. And this is with no information from Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he's going to go out like that. All right. Well, Aaron has spoken. Hashtag Greeny here and the members of the hashtag crew with us. Hembo's here. Bubba and Cam in Bristol. And Rogers on Instagram last night. Thank you to every person that has reached out, called, texted, DM'd, connected through a friend, etc. It has meant a ton to me, and I'll try and get back to all of you soon. I'm completely heartbroken and moving through all of the emotions, but deeply touched and humbled by the support and love. Please keep me in your thoughts and prayers as I begin the healing process today. The night is darkest before the dawn, and I shall rise yet again. Proud of my guys. 1-0, which is the Jets' record after an inspired win Monday night against the Bills that came courtesy of four turnovers from Josh Allen and a punt return for a touchdown. So Aaron Rodgers saying what I think all of us expected to say or expected him to say, which is to say, there was never any doubt in my mind that his initial inclination was going to be and is, I'm not going out like this. I didn't put all this work into this, into this season, into this team, into this organization, into trying to be as ready as I can be in the year that I turned 40 years old to only make it four plays. I don't know that it has any bearing necessarily on what he eventually will do because the hard stuff is ahead. Right now, he's got to go through, as I sit here going through my five stages of grief, he's got to go through those. The five stages of grief are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Denial, denial is a pretty good one, actually. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I like denial. Like, there's a part of me that continues to believe this cannot possibly have really happened. I've had people come up to me all week long and say, Greedy, that didn't really happen, right? Like, We're going to wake up and this is all going to have been some bad dream. Rogers will certainly be going through some part of that. Probably the moment this becomes a reality for him is when he actually has surgery and can't walk. So then he's going to go through anger. He's going to go through bargaining. He's going to go through depression. And the question is, what does acceptance mean? Does acceptance mean I'm going to go through whatever it takes, whatever hell it is to go through to come back from this injury at my age to try and be the best I can again, not knowing whether I will ever be able to fully recover every gift I've ever had? Or I can sail off into the sunset and live the magnificent life that I've set myself up to have. See, these athletes, it was Derek Jeter who first made me think of this. Right now, Aaron Rodgers feels like a very old man. He was the oldest player in the NFL until he went on the injured list on Tuesday or Wednesday or whenever that happened. But at whatever time he decides to stop playing professional football, he's going to find out he's actually a very young man. You are not an old person when you are 40 years old. I'm here to tell you that's for sure. And so, who knows what he will eventually decide to do. For the Jets, it is about the short-term prognosis, not the long. And unfortunately, the short-term has almost nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers. But that's the only place we can start the conversation this morning. Hashtag Hembo is here. 
Your thoughts? Do you happen to know if Aaron Rodgers will be traveling with the team to Dallas, if he'll be on the sideline? No, I don't know that. And, and if anyone does know, let me know. Here's, here's what I think. I think if I had to bet on it, I would bet that Rodgers at some point will start spending a bunch of time around his teammates, around the facility, and hopefully around the quarterbacks, in particular Zach Wilson. What I don't know is how quickly he has the surgery. Mike Tannenbaum told us on Tuesday morning that unlike some other injuries, like an ACL or something, they wait for the swelling to go down before they operate. So that's usually a couple of weeks. In the case of the Achilles, this is, again, just according to Mike T., but he would know, they tend to do the procedure practically immediately. So he may undergo surgery as soon as today or tomorrow or something like that. So if, if this information, Bubba or Cam or anyone, if we actually already know this, someone tell me, I have not heard one way or the other. The reason I ask is because I think that's going to be like the gripping, telling, aha moment visually to see Zach Wilson on the sidelines next to Aaron Rodgers in street clothes, Aaron Rodgers in a walking boot, Aaron Rodgers on a scooter. Like that... I think is when it will really set in because I, I do kind of feel the same way that you do. Like, yes, this happened. Yes, we watched it happen. But it almost feels too surreal to have actually happened. When Zach Wilson goes out there on the first snap of the game in Dallas on Sunday, they're like, that's when the Band-Aid is really officially ripped off because while the Jets managed to win that football game on Monday night, so much of that was, I think, based upon the circumstances, based upon the adrenaline, based upon the great play of their defense. But reality is going to set in on Sunday at 425. Yeah. And, and I'm not, I'm not going to blame Zach Wilson for however well he did or didn't play on Monday night because I can't imagine anyone in the world was more surprised that he was playing than he was. They also didn't have any time to build a game plan around whatever his strengths are and trying to eliminate whatever his weaknesses are because I think Aaron Rodgers was everything for this team, including the offensive coordinator. So they got a lot of work to do, and that might actually wind up working in their benefit as well, which is to say there's just no time for them. Like, I've had nothing but time to sit and wallow and stew in my sadness and self-pity. They don't have that time. Because one thing I don't have to do is be ready to play against Micah Parsons on Sunday. I just need to be ready to watch. And it's a heck of a lot easier, as painful as it might be, it's a hell of a lot easier to watch that than it is to actually try and do it. So I was talking to Damian Woody on the phone last night to prepare for Get Up today, and he said something that really struck me, something that really surprised me. He said he thinks that the Jets playing on a short week on the road is actually to their advantage, mm-hmm. especially this early in the season, because you effectively can't wallow the same way that you have. You have to turn this thing around so much quicker. You're going on the road. You're playing arguably the best defense in the NFL. You're doing it with your backup quarterback that everyone hated one year ago. He thinks that the short turnaround time actually plays to the Jets' advantage, which obviously is counter to all the conventional wisdom. I saw that in your notes last night. It was actually the first time I thought of this. The point I just made actually was brought into my head by that. One other thing, as I read Roger's post over and over again last night, I really love the way he wrote, the night is darkest before the dawn, and I shall rise yet again. And I found myself wondering, because I have a lot of time on my hands, where does that phrase come from? Do they go together? Kind of sounds like a biblical verse, right? It sounds like something that might come from the Bible, darkest before the dawn, that kind of thing. I shall rise again, rising again. There's a lot of that in the Bible, right? That's sort of the main plot line. 
um, and, and, and so I found myself wondering that. Do you know where that phrase originated, darkness before the dawn? I don't. Did I you, no Bubba? Idea. Did you know it? I looked it up last night. Do no, you know it? Not, for, not familiar with that one. Do you know it, uh, Cam? Does anyone know where that phrase originated? I will confess I didn't know until I looked it up last night. No, definitely not. I wondered. I honestly thought, is that a biblical verse? It is not. It is actually initially attributed to an English theologian named Thomas Fuller in 1650 who wrote, it is always darkest just before the day dawneth. So Hmm. that's where that came from. That's the entirety of that story. I just felt like sharing that because I thought it was interesting. And the rising again part of it is not connected. He just put those two together. Everyone now, I think, tends to associate the darkest before the dawn thing with Batman. Um, and that, <laughs> that seems fine to me, too. So that shapes up. And, and Bubba, this shapes up as one of the most interesting games on the early NFL schedule. The Jets, by banking a win, the, the enormity of that win. Look, if the Jets are still going to have a season... And, and, and I, look, I once I get through the grief, sadness, disbelief, well, I guess once I get through the denial, anger, bargaining, and depression and find myself at acceptance. Well, that's, that's a, a ways away. It probably that. is. But whenever that happens, I'm going to hope that they still have a good year and want them to win every game that they play and try and make the playoffs and everything else. I have repeatedly, even with Rodgers, pointed to these first six games the Jets play and said they just need to find a way to get to three and three. Buffalo was a swing game. So the fact that they won that is monstrously important. At Dallas is one you kind of wrote down an L next to it anyway. The three of the three of the six games that they start the season with, and I'll run through them quickly for everyone who doesn't have their schedule in their head, which is probably everybody listening. It was home Buffalo. They won. That was the swing game at Dallas. That's a tough one. Home New England. You got to find a way to win that. Now, Belichick is tough against young quarterbacks. He obliterated uh, Zach Wilson a year ago, and and you got to hope that Zach has learned from that. Then home Kansas City. Feels like a very tough one to win. Then at Denver. That feels very winnable, and obviously you now have the added layer of Sean Payton and all the bulletin board material he put up there. And then home Eagles. Feels like a very tough game to win. If they find a way to get the 3-3, and then they're very much in it because the schedule then softens considerably, at least on paper. We never know how these things are actually going to go. But when you looked at it before the season started, that's the way it looked. So I'm willing to live with losing Sunday. Would I like to win? Obviously, you want your team to win every game they play. But I feel we'll know a lot about what chances the Jets have of having a representative season by how Sunday looks. Because you could, Aaron Rodgers could have lost a game at Dallas. I mean, the, the Cowboys look really good. If the Jets are in the game, if it is a competitive game, if at the beginning of the fourth quarter it is not completely decided, I think that will be a huge signal that the Jets are ready to have a season here. The defense is that good. Zach Wilson isn't just going to hand everything away. Here we go. Does that sound like I'm saying that there are moral victories in professional sports when there shouldn't be? Sometimes, yes. Sometimes the answer is yes. Because this feels like a game you could lose 50 to nothing easily. Or 40 to nothing. Or 40 to nothing. It just happened to the Giants in an opener that they had all year to prepare for. So that, that I'm, I'm glad you said that because I was just being figurative, but you were being literal. So if you're going to say to me, Greeny, that's soft. I don't know. If they play them tough, 
it's going to it's going to make me feel a lot better. I, obviously, in the moment, if they lose a heartbreaker, I will be crushed. But I think it would be a positive sign. So do I. And just a couple of weeks ago, we made fun of DJ Reed for saying that he thinks this can be an all-time great defense, like the Legion of Boom, like the 85 Bears. Well, this is the opportunity for the Jets to prove it, to put their money where their mouth is, because if the Jets actually have that kind of defense, they will at least have a chance to win all 17 games. If Zach Wilson can be three points better this year than he was previously, the Jets can absolutely make the playoffs. We have to modify our expectations, obviously. But if you can be great on one side of the ball, then the break-even point for the offense is much lower. I'm giving them a real shot to at least cover those nine points in Dallas and an outside shot to win the game. And so the question here, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, and boat uh, and ATV and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. The question is, Bubba, how do you feel about your Cowboys? Which is to say, are you willing to wear the Aaron Rodgers jersey on this program on Monday, should the Jets win? That's my question. Are you that confident? I'm not putting up anything because <laughs> wait, the Jets have no chance. The Jets are given no chance. You should give me 100 points in this game. I'm asking, are you willing to wear the Aaron, are you comfortable enough to just say this game is so such a lock against Zach Wilson that Greeny, I will just wear the Aaron Rodgers jersey Monday, no stakes in reverse if the Cowboys lose. No, I'm not I'm not comfortable enough to do that. And I'll and I'll tell you is that why. soft is that soft on his part? Exceedingly it's, soft. It's That's soft exceedingly your soft. You're not offering you're not anything. You're not offering any stakes. Give me some if you if you're if you want to put up a normal bet, I'll do I'll do a bet with you just like we're doing Nuno. What kind of bet? You wear the Cowboys jersey. Come In on. the event that what happens? This is a 10-point spread. This will do be a double-digit line, line on Sunday. Cowboys have to cover nine. The number right now is nine. I, right I think as we nine. get has it, which it's been moving in that direction. It's moving right? to, it'll, it'll wind up at nine and a half or ten. I think. I, that's what I think. I think it's going to be a double-digit spread. What do you think? I'm not wearing a Cowboys jersey. I ho- I'm the host of the show. I can't be wearing that. I'm, ho- I'm hosting Get Up in the morning. Hey, I can't be wearing I, 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 a Dak Prescott jersey for two hours well, you, on well, Monday you, morning. You're wearing Aaron Rodgers' jersey. Yeah, but that's different. <laughs> He's Aaron Rodgers. Ma- 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 we'll, we'll, we'll come up with some kind of stakes. Okay. As the morning goes on, we'll come up with some kind of stakes, and we'll figure it out. The hashtag crew is here, Hembo, Bubba, and Cam. Uh, we are just getting started. We have a lot to get to today. I've got a ton of Justin Field stuff I want to dive into. That feels to me like one of the most interesting storylines in the NFL. But the weekend starts tonight, and the KOD starts early this week. It is next. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's macy's.com slash gift finder. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets but expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Greeny, the podcast. This is Greeny. We all love to make fun of Hembo. Tell Bubba, as you told me, about your dinner last night. My wife, Lizzie, makes a lovely penny vodka. It's penne. Okay, are you from Sicily? No, I'm not Come from on. Sicily. I'm from planet Earth. No one says penny. It's not one cent's worth of vodka. It's penne vodka. Tasted like it cost one cent. This is Greeny. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. I mean, the just the ridiculous things that happen. Oh, this is a good song choice. Now that I just figured out what it is. Do you know this song? I don't. Uh, well, uh, let me just say that if, if, if we were able to play the, uh, the uncensored version of it, let's put the, the clean version of it was called Forget You. The not clean version of it had a different word that starts with the same letter ah. before the U. And I have a feeling when you got home last night, your wife Lizzie was singing it. Four letters? Uh, yeah, four letters. Mm. And, and, I, and I, I know her well enough to know. She knows them. So Rhymes with she, schmuck. Yeah, she, it's ex- <laughs> I think we got the picture here, Cam. Thanks, Cam. I mean, at some point, I think everyone understands what we're intimating. Just trying at. to hammer it home. No, I get it. I mean, it, does, it doesn't require Clearly. that necessarily, but, but I appreciate the effort. At any rate, um, we've got a lot of things to get to today, including... Hembo's anniversary. Today's your wedding anniversary. Today's my wedding anniversary. And, and I know you must have something special planned, especially having criticized your beautiful wife's cooking yesterday, which was, in all honesty, just a stunning thing for a person to do. So we're going to get to all of that in a moment. Hashtag KOD. The kiss of death. All right, NFL weekend kicks off tonight. We got the Vikings and the Eagles. The Eagles at home. Uh, opened as a seven and a half point favorite, and that has moved to minus six. And Dan Orlowski told us at the very end of Get Up today, he thinks this is a sneaky, scary game for the defending NFC champions. We have two Eagles fans on our show. Hashtag Hembo, I'll start with you. Uh, I agree with that sentiment. It is a sneaky, scary game based upon the fact 
that the Eagles, frankly, played very uninspiring football last week in New England and based upon the fact that the Vikings have Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson is the best wide receiver in the NFL. The Eagles, parenthetically, locked him up when they played in primetime in week two of last season, and that's going to be Darius Slay's primary assignment tonight. The problem is that Reed Blankenship and James Bradbury, which is... You know, which form half of their starting secondary, uh-huh. they're both out for this game, as is our starting running back, Kenny Gainwell. And so the Eagles are kind of operating here shorthanded. So we've seen that number move in that direction in large part because the Eagles are going to be without three starters from last week. But I would be cautious in giving the Vikings too much credit considering this is a team that just lost to Tampa yep. and has, candidly, way few Way, way few, um, fewer great players than the Eagles have, and the Eagles are going to have a lot of favorable one-on-one matchups in this game. I think the Eagles are going to blow them out. Me too. I, I mean, my gut feeling is always wrong, so one should always <laughs> assume the worst. But, Cam, the Eagles are a much better team. Everyone has talked a great deal about how, quote-unquote, uninspiring that win was. I'm going to tell you right now, when this season is over, you're going to look back on a win at New England as yeah. a really good win. Mm. At New England is not an easy game. These are not last year's Patriots. That is a good defense with a competent, above-competent offensive coach. Mac Jones is a competent quarterback. Actually, Mac Jones, I think, is destined to be Kirk Cousins. Hmm. I think Mac Jones is going to be that. He's going to be a guy with not that high of a ceiling, but a very high floor. And well-coached, with the right team around him, more than good enough to win with. That's what Kirk Cousins has been for a decade. And that's what I think Mac Jones is. And so they hung in there in that game last week. And that defense is excellent. And you give Bill Belichick six months to prepare for your offense, and then you wind up playing them on a sloppy track, I think the Eagles are going to bounce back in a big way five days later at home against a very mediocre Minnesota team, and they are going to blow them out. See, I, I, I see the game the same way that you do, which concerns me, of course. As well it should. <laughs> but the Eagles have huge mismatches in this game. For starters, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, their, number one, their numbers one and two wide receivers on the outside, are just going to consistently be able to win one-on-one. And secondly... The Eagles' defensive front, led by rookie Jalen Carter, who had five pressures in his NFL debut last week, the Eagles are going to be able to uh, create pressure on Kirk Cousins without blitzing. Like, these are two areas that I think the Eagles are really going to be able to exploit on a short week at home. This is Brian Flores' second game now as defensive coordinator for the Vikings. They blitz at a higher rate than any team in the league last week. That is not going to work against an Eagles team where they're going to consistently win one-on-one on the outside. I think it will be a coming-out party for Philadelphia tonight, and last week will be a distant memory. Cam, how do you feel? I feel very similar, which also concerns me, but I think a win against New England, especially week one, like you said, is way better than people gave it credit for, and winning gritty against Belichick is never bad. I think even if it was last year, it would have been an impressive win because they were crappy on offense, but that defense has been good for years and years and years. There's literally only one matchup that the Vikings have an advantage in, and it's Justin Jefferson, and only because the Eagles are losing some in the secondary to injury. But like we said, Darius Slay shut him down last year, like 48 yards, I think, total, and had two picks. So there's no matchup that the Vikings have that favors them. I think the RPO game is going to run all over them. I know like two defensive players on the Vikings, so I think the Eagles have the advantage on every single front, and I think they're going to roll. All right, so as you hear, Greeny loves the Eagles tonight. Hembo loves the Eagles tonight, and Cam loves the Eagles tonight. If every instinct you have is wrong, then the opposite would have to be right. Minnesota plus the six, lock. Hashtag KOD. The kiss of death. Okay, so all that is on the board. Me not. A next order of business. I want to get something in here that I plan to do a little later, but I've got some time. 
You may have heard the sound. Sounds good. No, it sounds great. But Greeny has it. It's time for First Impressions. So I want to hear from Dion. Uh, Dion Sanders has become the biggest star, not just in collegiate football, but I, I think right now his star may be shining as brightly as anyone in all of sports. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure if you've seen it. I mean, First Take is on their way out to Colorado. They're going to do their show from out there. You know, for Colorado, Colorado State, game day is there this weekend. That's right. right? So, I mean, Dion has made Colorado football, a team that won one game last season, has made them must-see TV. And I think more importantly than that is ushering in a new era of college football as we have long known it. So I read about this quote, but I haven't actually heard him say it. Here's my first impression. Dion. I don't have time to enjoy the moment. Santa don't have time. He got to deliver the gifts. He ain't got time to enjoy his cookies. <laughs> That's all he gets. I ain't got time for that. I got to keep it going. I got to keep this machine going and uh, make sure we stay on the right path and make sure we're locked in and we're focused on the right things. So, so that's obviously exactly the right things for him to say. Look, Dion is a transformational figure because what used to be college football, what used to be college sports are forever changing and in almost every way for the better. And in fact, I glanced at a headline. I've not yet read the column and, and probably the dumbest thing you could ever do. And so here I am doing it is assume what is going to be in a column by just reading the the you know the the tagline or whatever it is the the clickbait that that is the opening comments but there's a columnist i like a lot his name is dan wetzel do you know dan yeah, from the right? yahoo sports mm-hmm. and so he has a column in which he writes uh the the, the the title of the column is the college football in the direction it's going and he writes record tv ratings packed stands sky high interests ADs, commissioners, NCAA lawyers, old coaches, and establishment media claimed NIL and the transfer portal would ruin college football and push fans away. Wrong then, wrong now. He's right. The reality of it all is college football as we knew it made no sense. College football was originally designed to be an extracurricular activity. And at some point, it became an enormous business. Enormous And the only thing that separated it from all other businesses is that the talent was unpaid. The most important people were unpaid. That's the only thing that has changed. So the transfer portal is an interesting phenomenon. Because once there's money involved, now these deals should mean something. I would have been a trillion percent in favor of unlimited transfer portal in a moment in time in which the players weren't getting anything for what they were doing. The transfer portal to me and the NIL are sort of different things. But the bigger picture remains the same. And I know Hembo has an interesting thought on that that I wanted to get in here as well. The reality is Deion Sanders, by going into the transfer portal and essentially remaking an entire team and an entire program in one year, That is the best example of how college football, as we have always known it, is over and is never coming back. And again, that is mostly for the better. Doesn't mean it is in every way for the better, but it is mostly for the better. Now, can everyone do what Deion did? Of course not, because he is somewhat singular. Deion Sanders is a star of very unique magnitude. He's one of those players who long after his career is still idolized by the young players of today. 
The young players today don't who want to play defensive back don't dream about being Ronnie Lott, and they don't dream about being Darrell Revis. They dream about being Deion Sanders to this day. And the opportunity to come play for him with his charisma and his star power and everything else, very few people can walk into a program and do that. But really good coaches can go into the transfer portal and can find the right players and turn programs around. So to some degree, I think Dion is the beginning of a new reality. And Hembo, you made an interesting comment to me in our office this morning that I thought was also worth getting into. Well, I mean, Deion Sanders in Colorado are, like the, are the number one story in college football right now, at least in part because we've had so few good games to hang our hat on. Here's my trivia question for you. In the first two weeks of the college football season, how many ranked versus ranked matchups do you think that we had? In the first, say it again, the first two weeks? In the first two weeks of the season. How many ranked versus ranked matchups do you think we had? Well, I mean, last week we had, uh, obviously, Colorado, excuse me, Texas and Alabama. I think there was one more. I, wasn't there one, like, between a – wasn't the Colorado game actually against someone who was ranked? No, someone else. It was like an Oregon – there was one other ranked game. It was Tulane Ole Miss. Okay, Tulane Ole Miss. <laughs> okay. So I'll excuse you for missing that one. And are you telling me there's one more? I mean, Only one more. LSU versus Florida State on the Monday night to end the first week. So you're saying that in the first two weeks of the college football season, there have only been three games that matched up two teams who were both ranked. And there are none this week. None. None. Zero. So, none. Zero. And, for as many, and, and people are complaining, and for good reason, about the fact that the first month of the college football season has effectively been a slumber party. Uh, you've really had to convince yourself to watch some of these games, aside from Texas-Alabama, and aside from Florida State-LSU two Monday nights ago. Those same people that are complaining about the fact that we have no good games, that the early uh, part of the season has no juice, are the same people complaining about the fact that we're going to super conferences, are complaining about the fact that West Coast teams are going to play in the ACC. And to you, I simply say, you can't have it both ways. The reason why television executives are effectively running college football now is because college football has become such a huge enterprise in the world of television, and we have no good games to sell. If you have no fights to sell on Saturdays, then what can you possibly do? Uh, you, want me to get, you, you want me to get into these, these directional games with these uh, power, power conferences playing directional teams? I, I, just, I just can't. Right. Like if you're an ardent fan of a school, you watch every game. But that doesn't happen to be who I am, and a lot of my friends aren't either. And so wh- where can I hang my hat? What do I get into? I don't have that opportunity because no good games exist. So the reason why television executives are effectively running college football now is to solve this problem. So you can't complain about the lack of good games and also piss and moan the fact that we're going to lose some of the 19th century t- traditions that we have claimed to hold and love dear. So, so what you're saying, what I think the coaches would say, and this I actually don't necessarily have an issue with, is that because they don't have preseason games the way NFL teams do, they need a tune-up of some kind. They, they want a game before... Now, again, Texas and... Well, they played week two. Florida State and LSU played each other immediately. Yeah, game one. Maybe both of them would have liked... They schedule it the way they want to schedule it. You know, a game to sort of get under their belt the way NFL teams would use preseason. So maybe you have a week of that at the beginning of the season where, for the most part, you have these directional schools. People will still watch the games and get excited because mm-hmm. it's the first game of the year. 
And then it sounds to me like what you're saying is from that point forward, we will just play conference games. Every game will matter like crazy because the conferences will be big enough to justify an entire schedule. They could easily play 10 or 11 games within their conference when we are down to four conferences next year. It's 100% right. It would be like the Jets playing an arena football league team for the first three games of their season. It just doesn't make any sense. Like we have a great product. And we're just delaying all of the good games for later in the season. But that's bad for the product. It's bad for the brand. You shouldn't have to build up something like that. The NFL season was so great because the opening Thursday night, we have these two great teams in this huge crescendo to start the year. That was awesome. To get into college football, you basically have to reach October before these teams start playing real games with rare exception. It's not good for the sport, and Super Conferences will help that. If you want to hang out with us, there are a lot of different ways you can do it. You can watch uh, this program on the ESPN app. Just click on Watch. Look for hashtag Greeny and enjoy. Plus, if you miss any of the show, we are a podcast every single day. Catch up on both hours in the Greeny podcast. It's available daily wherever you get your podcasts. One more quick thing on this. Bubba tells me that there's a soundbite we're going to want to hear. So Colorado is playing Colorado State this weekend. Here's another first impression. I've not heard what we're about to hear. But this is Jay Norvell, who was the coach of Colorado State, getting set to play against Dion and Colorado this week. From his show, the coach's show on Learfield IMG Radio. And from what I'm told, he's going to take a shot at Dion. Here we go. You know, we're excited. Our kids are really, you know, we had to do a bunch of ESPN videos. And it was great. I loved it. And, and, uh, but our kids came out of those videos really with a chip on their shoulder. They're tired of all that stuff. They really are tired of it. And I sat down with ESPN today, and I don't care if they hear it in Boulder. I told them I took my hat off and I took my glasses off, and I said, when I talk to grown-ups, I take my hat and my glasses off. That's what my mother taught me. So, you know, they're not going to like us no matter what we say or do. It doesn't matter, okay? So let's go up there and play. And so I – that's just how I feel about it. Yeah. And so I don't mean to take over the show, but it's your show. I'm just tired of <laughs> I mean, I'm tired of all that stuff. It's just it's it's and I know everybody else is too. Okay, well not everybody else is too, coach. I must tell you, most people are not the least bit tired of it, but I so what he's talking about, right, is that Dion had his post-game press conference and he left his hat and his sunglasses on. So this seems to have offended him deeply. Um I'm I am one who is usually my initial reaction is always to generally ignore what coaches say game week because I think that there is a part of that coaches, good coaches, are always talking with a purpose. So he's talking to his team there, right? He, he's talking to his own players. Like Taking the shot at Dion is what it is, I guess. I don't know. I don't know why he would do that. And I, If I'm Dion Sanders, I don't know why I would care. What I think he's trying to do is just say, look, I mean, they're a lot of hype, but at the end of the day, we're going to go up there and we're going to play a football game. We're going to try and beat him. And this is not about going up there, ESPN. Everyone's talking about them. Everyone's talking about him. No one's going to give us a chance. It's all of that very, very common stuff. He threw in kind of a shot at Dion there that is obviously calculated. That did not just jump into his head to say in that moment. What his reason for it is, I have no idea. Yeah, honestly, uh he can lose me, and I, I don't really care what his mother, Mrs. Norvell, uh, <laughs> and how, him, yeah. how she instructed him to do his interviews. Like this is this sounds like a man who's jealous of his uh, counterpart in the state, uh, who he is a three touchdown underdog to this weekend, and they're going to get boat raced uh, accordingly. I, I understand what he's doing, and I understand what he's saying, 
But this is a miscalculation, and almost anything that you say and do um, in this manner against Colorado is going to come back to bite you. Like, they obviously have a long memory. These are things that, um, uh, this is the kind of thing that's already happening now, because anytime you do something that's averse to what people have been doing since the beginning of time, uh, the, the... the Colorado Buffaloes are taking receipts, and I think this is going to come back to bite him. Yeah, sure. I mean, Dion is going to deal with a lot more yeah. significant stuff than this as he goes forward. All right, as we go, one guy I really admire did something endlessly admirable yesterday. Whether it makes a difference or not, you'll hear who and why right after this on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Greeny, the podcast. All right, here we go, Greeny, with you on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. So for the last two years, I had the magnificent pleasure and privilege of hosting our coverage of the NBA on ESPN and ABC through the finals. And I have delighted to hand that baton off to Malika Andrews, who is ready to take it and run with it faster than anyone ever has before. But what will not change is that the NBA is in my blood. I love it. I will love it for the rest of my life. In my earliest memories as a sports fan, or of sitting in Madison Square Garden when my dad would take me to Nick Games. I can still smell the cigar smoke wafting up into the rafters towards what they used to call the blue heaven, the old blue seats up there, and watching all the players of the 70s. It's why I always defend the players of the 70s. The stars of the 70s, I think, are the most forgotten great players in NBA history. It sort of feels like NBA history in too many people's mind goes directly from Bill Russell to Magic and Larry, and they skip an entire decade of great players, but whatever. All of that is a needless preamble to what I'm about to say. My biggest frustration as a basketball fan, not as part of the broadcast, but as a basketball fan, has been watching star players rest. I feel terrible because I fell in love with the sport and with all sports by doing what I just told you. Go into these games. 
And when the Golden State Warriors go play in Memphis and they decide they're not going to play Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and Andrew Wiggins that night, to me that is devastating for all those kids and all those moms and dads who brought them because they not getting they are not getting what they paid for they're not getting what they bargained for they're not getting what they agreed to what the league agreed to with them so this has been a problem for a while i will never stop yelling and screaming about it to his everlasting credit Adam Silver continues to try and do things about it. Can he change it? I don't know. But I give him endless credit for trying. So yesterday, the NBA Board of Governors approved a tougher rule about resting. Here are a few of the provisions. One, no more than one star player defined as either an all-NBA or all-star player in the previous three seasons is ever unavailable for the same game, barring injury. So let's just say Steph and Clay. I'm just making this up. LeBron and Anthony Davis, whoever you want to put. They will never sit, two of them, in the same game, barring injury. Teams also must ensure that all those star players are available for national TV and in-season tournament games. Teams must maintain a balance between the number of one-game absences for a star player in home games and road games with a preference for those absences to happen in home games. Teams must refrain from any long-term shutdown or near shutdown when a star player stops participating in games or plays in a materially reduced role in circumstances affecting the integrity of the game. And teams must ensure that healthy players resting for a game are present and visible to fans. How much of a difference will this make? I don't know. I don't. I'm interested to know what you think. I'm going to ask the hashtag crew what they think. What I do know, it is an effort. I never think you should look at a problem and say, well, I'm not sure I can solve that, so I'm just going to do nothing. He's doing something. Will it make sense? Will it make a difference, Hembo? Uh, Probably not. Um, but it is absolutely worth a try considering it is an existential problem for the sport. They previously passed a provision that required you to play 65 regular season games to be eligible for postseason awards, which is a huge deal because many of those awards are, are naturally attached to incentives and the opportunity to receive bigger contracts. It's worth a try, right? In life, it's all about incentives. If you don't incentivize teams and players to play, then they're not going to if they're going to get paid the same. It's at least worth a shot. The problem here, naturally, is that what is and isn't an injury is going to be very difficult to define. So Kawhi Leonard might say, I'm hurt. The team might say, no, you're not. And he might say, I know my body better than, better than you. And thus, I'm going to sit and then they have to absorb the $1 million fine. It's really hard to say. I really wish that player leadership would actually take the bull by the horns here and recognize that this is a major problem for the league, right? And in the long term, candidly, and in the short term interest of the league, it behooves us to play when we're able and healthy. So... That's obviously a pipe dream considering we reached a point where these provisions are required. But in the end, I obviously commend Adam Silver for at minimum trying because it's the biggest problem that the league faces right now. Baba, what do you think? Yeah, I I 
very happy he's trying. I think it'll probably make it somewhat better. I mean, I c- it can't get you know much worse than it's been, so I think it'll be better. I think one of the of all the five things on here, one of the things I actually liked the most was the uh, the the home and road split with the preference at home. I think that's one of the things we always talk about is people going to the game. You know, if they're a fan of like one of the worst teams, let's say Charlotte or whatever, and so a team, you know, the Warriors come for they come one time, and uh, that's all they get to see them, and then and the stars rest. So. Um, that's that's a really good idea. Making them, if they're going to rest, you rest at home. I think that's a really that's a really wise decision. Kind of force them to play as often as they can on the road for all those fans getting to see them to the one or two times they're coming in. I think it's a really good idea. But yeah, to Hembo's point, I think they're just going to say injury as often as they can, and it's really up to the players to play and really realize it is smart for them to play. But I do think it'll be incrementally better. The biggest problem that we have is that. There was a mentality amongst players who grew the league that one of the important things, your love of the sport, which I'm not questioning the love that all these players, the current or the previous ones, have for the sport, but everyone from Magic Johnson to Larry Bird to Michael Jordan to basically the stars of the 80s and the 90s, I think they felt a real obligation and a priority to leave the league in a better place than they'd found it. That was one of the things that they felt proud of. It was important to them. The league grew to such extraordinary heights that I don't think the stars of this day and age think of it that way. It's not a criticism. It means these guys have grown up in a, in a world in which the NBA has been as popular as almost anything could possibly be. They take it for granted because they don't know any other way. And it never occurs to them that me sitting this game out is going to have any impact on that whatsoever. The pride in playing 82 games is long since out the window. It's no longer even talked about. So I agree with everyone who says this probably isn't going to change anything. It certainly isn't going to change everything. But at least it puts it front and center, and it puts the onus where it belongs, as you said, on the players. It has to be important to them. If it's not important to them, it's never going to be important to anybody else. The league is going to be fine either way. I commend Adam Silver for giving it a try, whether it solves the problem or not. We continue in a moment on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts.